0: We read scripture this morning from Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 26. Luke 1 verse 26, and we'll read through verse 56. So we read verses 26 through 56. And our text is taken from verses 28 through 33, which record the angel's words to Mary. Luke 1 beginning at verse 26. We hear the inspired word of God. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Then the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee "...shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days... And went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judea, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth, all generation shall call me blessed; for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. We read that far. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. We take as our text verses 28 through 33. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art Thou that art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne. Of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the days described by our text were exciting, were wonderful days. The years had been dark, but now the old was drawing to an end, and the new day now was dawning. The 4,000 years of darkness that had fallen upon the world after the fall of man into sin would not last forever. As the end of them drew nigh, the sign that God had given of the dawning of that day began to become evident. Heavenly angels began to appear, far more than they had for the previous 400 years. And God now sent Gabriel to announce This wonder of wonders, appearing once to Zacharias in order to inform Zacharias of the wonder by which John would be born, and now announcing to this virgin, whose name was Mary, some six months later, the fact that she now would be the mother of the Messiah. This was a message of hope, a message of salvation, and a message of joy that God had chosen this young woman from Nazareth to be the mother of his own son. And Mary, the lowly handmaid of the Lord, chosen now by God for this exalted and glorious position. Mary, unlike Zacharias, believes the angel. God gave her a sign in the miraculous pregnancy of her cousin Elizabeth. And she's able to see the wonder that Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And God gives Elizabeth then the blessing of the Holy Spirit that she pronounces now a blessing on Mary, very similar to that of Gabriel in verses 42 to 45. Wonderful revelation God gave to this young woman. And what an unmistakable evidence of his faithfulness that he would show and keep his covenant with Israel. Elizabeth gave birth to John. Six months later, Mary gives birth to Jesus. And both conceptions, a wonder of God's grace. Now, great joy fills the hearts of these two cousins as they believed the words of the angel and as they discussed together what is taking place and the marvel of this as from the hand of Jehovah God. This is a time of joy for the people of God. The promises that have been prophesied through the years, are now being realized. And that joy that registers in the heart of Mary and Elizabeth is a joy that registers in our hearts, not only today, but all the days of our lives, as we rejoice in the gift, the precious gift of a Savior. It's good for us to think about the coming of Jesus and what kind of things ought we think about. This text lays out three things that are outstanding as we meditate On the marvelous wonder of the coming of the Messiah. First of all, that God would come in human flesh. God and man. That Jesus would be Emmanuel. Secondly, that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Testifying of the wonder that this is the work of God alone. Salvation is not of man. Salvation is of God. And finally... The faith that God worked in Mary, that she believed this. And that same faith that God works in our hearts, by which we believe in the Emmanuel, born of a virgin for our salvation. We look at this passage under the theme, the Son of the Highest. Noting his mother, first of all, his name, secondly, and finally, his kingdom. Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. We read in verse 28. The angel comes to Mary with a message that is so incredible that it can only be based on the wonder of God's grace and God's goodness. It's for this reason that it starts with highly favored. That phrase is used in Ephesians 1 verse 6 to refer to all of God's children and God's saints as those who have been reconciled with God. And the fact that God now looks... Upon us as those who are accepted of the beloved. Who are we to deserve to be accepted of Jehovah God? That God will look upon us and he would accept us. And will look upon us in favor. That's the word here that's used. Expression. expression. This is a marvel of God's grace. Mary was a sinner. Mary had done nothing to make herself worthy. And now the fact that God comes to her and says, You are highly favored. You are accepted of God. Causes her to stand in awe. As a recipient of God's grace and God's favor, she has the confidence, God is with me. Now again, what a wonderful encouragement. As sinners, to have this consolation and this comfort, the Almighty God is reconciled to me and He's with me. He's not casting me off. He's not forsaking me. He's with me. And He's going to give me strength. He's going to uphold me as He leads me down life's pathway. The Holy Ghost gives to Mary this beautiful place and identifies her as blessed among women. Now, we don't join the Roman Catholic Church in their worship and idolatry of Mary. We also don't fall into the opposite extreme and minimize the great blessedness that God gave to her, The main significance of this phrase, blessed among women, is to note the happiness, the joy that would be hers as a result of this wonder of God. That God would exalt her in terms of making her the mother of the Messiah. Now we're not to pray to Mary. We're not to worship Mary. But we ought praise God for the place and the position that God gave her. God was pleased to use a humble, lowly, sinful woman to perform this wonder. Jesus is her firstborn. We know later on that Mary was given more children with Joseph. That becomes evident in Mark 6, verse 3, where in connection with Jesus' rejection in Nazareth, we have... The individuals explaining, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Josie and of Judah and Simon? And are not also his sisters here with us? We don't believe that Mary remained a virgin. We believe that Mary was given more children in God's good time. But the distinction that God gave Mary was an external one, mother of the Savior. We don't believe that Mary was sinless, she was a sinner as we. What foolishness of the Roman Catholic Church to go on and raising this message of the angel to such a sight that they, they make it a magical expression, a prayer of charm. Hail Mary, implying that you can't pray for grace unless you use that terminology. The word hail was not used as an expression of worship. It wasn't even used as a salutation that's reserved for individuals who are highly honored or royalty. It was a common greeting. And it was simply an expression of well-being, an expression of joy. Hail, Mary. Never is hail ever in the Bible used in prayer. Never is it used, addressed, never is prayer addressed to anyone other than God so that we don't. Hail Mary, and express prayers to Mary. It's simply an expression of well-being, an expression of joy. A word of congratulations to this one, Mary. And God could greet any of His children, any of us, in that same manner, should He desire. But this was a special word directed to Mary by an angel. And that also denotes the highly honored position that God gives. An angel now singles her out and comes to bring her this message. Her name was Mary. Mary is an exalted, depicting the great elevation and the favor that God would show her above all the daughters of Zion. Although she was poor, though she was lowly, she was enabled by God's providence to claim herself from the house of David. And now she is addressed by the angel as the one through whom the Savior will come. But secondly, she's a virgin. She's never had sexual relations with any man. She's espoused to Joseph. She's of the house of David. But she's one who has never had any kind of relations. The fact that she's a virgin is significant. This demonstrates that salvation is, again, all of God. This was the prophecy that God gave in Isaiah 7, verse 14, Reiterated again in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, that Jesus would be born of a virgin. And now Christ's mother is depicted as such. Jesus is not to come by ordinary conception, he's to come by a marvelous wonder by which God declares to all mankind the wonder of the coming of the Savior. Salvation is not of man, salvation is all of God. And conceived by the Holy Spirit, this wonder would take place in order that this one would escape the corruption of the human nature. Very God, very man, born in a miraculous manner by the conception of the Holy Spirit. God uses the Spirit, whom Himself never brings any glory or attention to Himself to reveal the Son who would receive all glory. And the Spirit's work is to exalt the Son and to exalt the Father. Salvation again, all of God. And who was this Mary? Mary lived in Nazareth, the city of Galilee. Mary is a nobody from an earthly perspective. Nazareth is a remote city in the corner of the country with no reputation for religious learning. It bordered, as a matter of fact, on heathendom, and was often called the Galilee of the Gentiles. Later, some would hesitate even to follow Jesus after they heard that he hearkened from this city. Nathanael expresses in John 1.46, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Mary didn't marry into any royalty. She married Joseph, a carpenter, a humble individual so that her family and her children would be raised likely in poverty. There was no possibility of escaping that poverty. Mary, a young woman in this city of Nazareth, would be so little esteemed that virtually none around would notice the great wonder that was hers. But yet she's given a designation Blessed art thou among women. And what is that blessedness? Because she now is privileged to see the heavenly messenger, an angel, Gabriel. And because of the great glad tidings that angel brings. That angel expresses, the Lord is with you. Again, what a beautiful expression for a child of God to hear. The Lord is with you. And to hear that she's blessed among women and that she's the one that's going to be the mother of Jesus Christ. The promised Messiah. The mystery of godliness realized in her womb. God with man. The incarnation of God. So that that which takes place now is going to be so much reason for joy for the whole Christian church. This is our salvation and this is our comfort. God coming into human flesh in order to serve as our Savior and our Redeemer. All will agree that Mary is the most favored, graced, and blessed. Not only of women, but also of all mankind. As the child conceived within her womb by the Spirit is very God and man. Eve was made the mother of all the living. Mary is given even a higher designation now. As the Lord is pleased to prefer her above all others as the one to conceive and bear the seed of the woman who had been promised to Eve. And so the angel says in verse 30, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now Mary, we read, is immediately troubled by the saying that was given. Had she been a proud woman, she would have laid hold on it. She would have jumped with joy, flattered, puffed up with pride at that saying and that honor. But she's a woman who knows, I'm not worthy of this. I've not done anything to merit or earn anything. Is this a means of tempting me? Sensing that perplexity, the angel goes on in his errand. He assures her there's no reason for fear. Jehovah God has favored her. And even though she's a virgin, she will have the honor of becoming a mother. Now, the words that are found throughout this passage again, favored, found favor, are all words that are expressed to demonstrate this is all of grace. These words emphasize you've done nothing to make yourself worthy. You have done nothing of yourself to earn any blessing of God. But God, as a token of His goodness and of His mercy, of His free favor, is the one now who designates this wonder. Upon you, The Roman Catholic Church interprets this, that Mary is so full of grace that she has no sin. And they identify her as such that she continued sinless then, and that she even becomes now a fountain of grace for others. Go to Mary. That's how you get grace, they say. That's not the idea of the word of the angel. O favored one, O graciously accepted one. Again, this is the same word that's used Later on in Ephesians 1 verse 6, Accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. A wonder of grace, referring to all of God's children who are found in Jesus Christ. God's grace will bring about a wonder of wonders. God with man. Emmanuel. And that grace will perform a miracle, above miracles, born of a virgin. And that grace will work a wonder of faith, so that Mary believes it. Again, beloved, those three wonders before which we stand in awe. God with man, born of a virgin. And God working the faith in our hearts, and in that of Mary, to believe that. To believe that we are the objects We are those who are the recipients. And that we are the ones who are those highly beloved. Who are graced by God through the wonder of this precious gift. Now Jehovah God was with her. I am with you. Even though she was poor, lowly, God would take care of her. And God would strengthen her for this service to which he called her. And Mary believed the wonder of God's grace, working faith in her heart so that Mary laid hold on the word of the angel and she believed this word. Even though she couldn't figure out how it could be humanly possible, she'd never heard of conception taking place apart from sexual intercourse. And now some wonder is going to take place by the gift of the Holy Spirit. With the Lord, nothing is impossible. These words, beloved, earth-shattering, are the words that she clings to now in the coming months. Jehovah's word would be fulfilled in her. And God would use her to bring about the one Jews needed. Not the one whom the Jews were looking for. They were looking for someone very different. But this would be the one they needed. And the one whom she needed for her own salvation. And so she responds with song. And the response of Mary reveals Marvelous gifts that God had given to this young woman. We don't know for sure how old she was. It's estimated 16, 17, 18 years old at the most. But she reveals herself, like David, to have been gifted with gifts of poetry. And a woman who knew the scriptures. She knew the Psalms. Her song reveals and quotes from at least five of the Old Testament Psalms, or even more. For sure, explicit reference is made to Psalm 111, verse 9, 103, verse 17, 89, verse 10, 107, verse 9, and Psalm 98, verse 3. Here's a young woman who knew the Old Testament Scriptures. Here's a young woman who knew God's Word and now is able, in song, to bring it to expression. What an inspiration for you young people, 16, 17, 18 years old, knowing the Scriptures, committing it to memory, so that you're able to encourage and inspire others with that knowledge and with that understanding. Mary's knowledge of the Bible has made of her an example through the ages. And often it's depicted in pictures that (coughs) depict her associated with a Bible, or with the Scriptures, or reading the Scriptures. But depicting the fact that this young woman was a woman who knew the Word of God. That Word of God lived in her heart. And now as she receives this message from the angel, her response is to quote from those passages that lived in her heart. What a beautiful expression of God's goodness toward His children. God working not only the desire to know His Word, to commit it to memory, but the faith to believe it, to lay hold on it, and to give expression to it. Her humble response is an inspiration. Be it unto me according to thy word. Luke 1 verse 38. This woman is given to know that she will be the mother of the Messiah. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. We look at that name that is given in verse 31. Jesus, as you're well aware, means Jehovah's son. This name reveals Jesus' essence and his nature. We're familiar with the fact that in the Bible time, names revealed more than they do today. They revealed the essence, the nature of an individual. Adam named the animals by giving them those names that depicted the purpose for which God had created them and the place that they would occupy within the creation. Now, we don't have those designations anymore. Perhaps that will be revealed to us again in heaven. But God revealing the essence of an individual in the names. And we have repeatedly God giving names to individuals, changing the names of individuals in order to Give that designation. The name Jesus is a name given by God through an angel. It's the word of God. This little baby is going to be Jehovah saves. God didn't allow Joseph and Mary to think of their own name in order to name their child. This was his child. And God would give it his name. A name that would depict It's significance and purpose. And so, God named his son Jesus for a specific reason. Jehovah saves. He is God. He is Jehovah. He would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And as such, he would be the Savior of God's people. He shall save his people from their sins. That's Matthew 1, verse 21. The name Jesus by itself is a heavenly name. Now, it's true there may have been um, little boys that were running around during this time with that name, as that was the Old Testament, Joshua. It's unusual, significant, that God himself, through an angel, would give a child their name prior to birth. And not only did it originate with God here, but being given to Jesus by an angel, it's a name that speaks of the joy, the praise that heaven alone is able to bring. And so this name, identifying this babe now as the one who will be a savior from sin. What God identifies, he identifies the greatest need for mankind. What is it that you need? What do I need? I need a salvation from my sin. And now God identifies that is the gift that I will give you. On Christmas Day, we celebrate a savior from sin. We who are children of Adam and Eve are conceived and born in sin. We need a Savior, and we need deliverance. As such, then, Jesus is not a name that we ought to give to our children. It's a name that ought to be reserved for the glorious Savior sent by God from heaven. He shall save His people from their sins. Every expression of that name loaded with significance Jehovah has come to earth in this child. And Jehovah has come as the covenant-keeping God to preserve his faithfulness to his church. And Jehovah will perform that faithfulness by giving a Savior through whom sin will be paid. He comes not to bring about reform on earth. His desire is not to bring the conditions of mankind better and improve them He comes to save His people from hell. And that, again, is our greatest need. We are sinners who deserve everlasting damnation of hell. He comes not to bring about political revival. He comes not to rescue the Jews from the Romans. He comes in the midst of sin and misery in order to bring to us the knowledge of salvation. In the midst of the darkness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, comes the beautiful promise of a Savior. This is, beloved, your and my hope. This is the only hope for sinners. We know our sin, and as we stand before the reality of that sin, we know our sins deserve to be punished. God issues that demand. The soul that sins, that soul must die. And the horror of our sins is such that we deserve... Everlasting judgment and death. Who can stand before the judgment seat of Jehovah God? We can't stand on the basis of anything of ourselves. All your sin that has ever been committed. All your sins that ever will be committed. He covered with his perfect sacrifice on Calvary. He came born of a virgin in order to accomplish your and my salvation as his people what a wonder of wonders and his work is certain he shall save his people he will accomplish this good pleasure he saves sinners those who of ourselves are unworthy we who don't from that sin of ourselves God didn't decree salvation for all men if Jesus came to save all men, he failed miserably. Many have hearts to him and refused to believe. Those unbelievers would have ruined the mission of Jesus. If Jesus came merely to make salvation possible, he didn't live up to that name either. Because God sovereignly ordains that some perish. Esau have I hated, says God, according to his sovereign reprobation by which some are are designated to hell in the way of their sin and unbelief. These men never believed in Jesus. They reject the Messiah. According to Romans 1. We want our wills to be involved, but He finds us lost in our misery, in our sin, and He rescues us. And He brings us to the height of joy and salvation. He shall save His people from their sins. Here, beloved, is our hope. Here is our joy in Jesus, the glorious name above every name. Given to that babe in Bethlehem. The Emmanuel, born of a virgin. And God working faith in our hearts. So that we lay hold upon Him and believe He is my Savior. In the midst of my sin and my unworthiness and my guilt and my shame, I have one who laid His life down for me. And through whom there is deliverance. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Verse 32. When we think of someone who's great, we think of someone with influence, someone with power. The greatness of Jesus would not be earthly influence and earthly power, but it would be spiritual. He is the Son of God, who is the Son of the Highest. There's no man greater the only Son of the same nature, the same being as the Father. The only begotten of the Father. The greatness of Jesus is found in that He is the Son of the Highest. Because He's God. God over all, blessed forevermore. He's God with us. The covenant of God as reflected in the name Jehovah, God as the covenant-keeping God, is now revealed in Emmanuel. God with man. As God comes to dwell with His people. And the Son of the Highest comes in human flesh for our salvation and for our deliverance. He's the Messiah. That Mary is given to know. This is the fulfillment of all of the old promises. And that especially comes out in the designation that he would be king he would sit on the throne now mary must have stood in awe as gabriel excitedly goes on to reveal the nature of her son god works the faith in her heart by which she lay hold on it she believes but what a wonder he's going to be king he's going to reign on david's throne forever verse 32 This was language that Mary could understand. This was language that would be convincing with regard to his place and significance as the Messiah. The one Mary whom you are going to give birth to is going to be the fulfillment of all of the prophecies. And he's going to be the one through whom your salvation will be realized so that you will know covenant with God and the blessedness of peace with him to all eternity. He would accomplish what David couldn't do. What Solomon was not able to accomplish. He will do what the Maccabees could never do. He's going to save his people from their sin as the one who is the fulfillment of all of the prophets and all of the kings. The reference is made then to his kingdom. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Verse 32. This babe is king. Now he's going to attain the throne in a very strange way, as you children are aware of. An earthly king is made king by members of his kingdom. They exalt him. They see in him gifts, abilities. And they rally around him. And the soldiers protect him. And they defend him. And they conquer nations and countries. And they place him as the one who is leader and king. But such a king can easily be dethroned as well. And he can be But out of the kingdom, this heavenly king makes his kingdom. And he establishes that rule in humility. Now there's an aspect of the truth that Gabriel did not marry. She was not ready to face that. Simeon would make expression to it in Luke 2 verse 35. A sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Jesus' suffering and his death was not yet understood. But we know that it's in his suffering and in his death that our salvation lies. And we know that it's in his suffering and his death that that kingdom would be established. And that he would bring into that kingdom the citizens, us, through the wonder of his perfect sacrifice. Be not deceived by his lowly beginnings, though he comes from an unknown young woman, from an Small, despised city in Nazareth. A girl who is a nobody in terms of social, religious, and political status. Her son is going to be great. He comes in meekness. He's born in a cattle stall. Later, he's sitting on a donkey. He came from a little... But this Jesus receives this great kingdom because of and in the way of His humility, He humbled Himself to the cross, esteeming His children above Himself, determining that His love for you and for me meant more than His own life. And through the cross, then, He paid the price of redemption for all His children. And as Lord, He bought you, He bought me with His precious blood, making us his eternal possession. How is it that we become citizens of the kingdom? Because we have been bought by the precious blood of our Savior. In His un, unch- He loved us even unto death. And gave Himself for you and for me as a covering of our sin. He redeemed, He purchased us to be citizens of that glorious kingdom. And he did so in such a way that the citizenship is never in doubt. That citizenship is sure we are citizens of that kingdom by virtue of his perfect sacrifice and his shed blood. He did so in such a way that his lordship is undeniable. He is lord of that kingdom through the way of the cross and the grave. And he would merit and he would attain to the crown of glory through the authority and the power that would be His by Jehovah God, receiving the wonder of resurrection from the dead, being exalted at God's right hand, and receiving then that name above every name. The one as king to whom every man, woman, and child who's ever lived and ever will live will bow the knee before Him. Mary made the mother of her own Lord. Not only the mother of the Lord of Elizabeth, not only the mother of the Lord of the unborn child, John, Mary, the mother of the Lord of all whom the Father had given to him. My Lord and my God. What a faith. She's able to confess and see and know that wonder and that joy. O oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ Jesus our Lord. Jehovah will give a king that shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 33. Now His people don't give Him that kingdom. We don't crown Him king. We don't have a place in the establishing of that glorious kingdom. Jehovah God crowns Him. Jehovah God gives him that kingdom, sets him as that king on the holy hill of Zion. And Christ, as the one who's crowned, as the one who's king, is the one now who rules all things by his majesty and by his power. So that nothing in your life and nothing in my life is happening by chance. He's Lord, he's king. He's the one ruling everything according to his perfect love for you and for me. And he's the one who will accomplish the wonder of the fullness of the glory of his kingdom. As he takes us as citizens of that kingdom. A kingdom that knows no end. Beloved, by faith we lay hold on that wonder. Mary believed it. There's no way that Mary could have believed this wonder of herself. Elizabeth believed. God worked faith in the hearts of these women that they laid hold upon the wonder of Of the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. And beloved we meditate upon this wonder. God. And man. Emmanuel. Born of a virgin. For my salvation. That I might be made citizen of a kingdom that knows no end. And might know the fullness and the joy of that citizenship. To all eternity. We put our confidence and our trust. In the Son of the Highest, my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank Thee for the gift of the Emmanuel, God with man. For the wonder of the virgin birth, testifying salvation is all of Thee. And above all, Lord, for the faith worked in our hearts, by which we lay hold upon this wonder as our own. He came for me. He laid His life down for me. He embraces me in perfect love and he has ordained for me a life that knows no end. We thank thee Lord for the marvel of marvels revealed to us on this Christmas day and cause that we might ever live in thankfulness. For Jesus sake. Amen. We turn to Psalter